Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. Today I want to jump into this message. It's a series. If, if you don't know, don't let the titles fool you. It's really the same message. But last weekend we had the sermon, Build. But then these next messages will be called The Blueprint. I want everybody to shout out Blueprint. So today we're going to jump into this part of this sermon. And if you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. Last week was an altar is a foundation. Today I want to talk about the will of God in the general sense, and then I want to talk more about the specific will of God for your life. So if you will allow me today, I'm going to be deep. Um, I'm going to be broad. You'll hear the word broad a lot today. So I'm going to be deep. If you, if you will stay with me and you will focus your attention on pastor and the words that I'm about to speak in your hearing, I want you to hear some things that I'm about to say. I'm going to be very deep in the very far first part of this message. So you're going to have to be very spiritual minded to understand some of the things that I'm going to give to you. Then, if you, will, if, you will, if you will bear with me and you will stay with me through the deep part of this message, then I will jump in at the very end and we're going to be more practical and specific as it relates to your life and the, and the will of God for your life. Can you all do that with me? Okay, so I want you to stay with me, hang with me as we, we, we get through these specific things that God wants us to say. I believe the will of God is what you build on top of the foundation that we laid last weekend. So last weekend, we poured the foundation. This weekend, what we want to do is build on the foundation. What are we building on the spiritual foundation? What we're building on the spiritual foundation is the will of God. It's the will of God in the broad sense, and it's the will of God in the specific sense. So we want to talk today, this is our assignment, is to talk about the will of God. And we all know that's a broad subject. But just stay with me and we'll jump through this or get through this. I want to start with a question. Do you believe that God's intentions towards you are good? Do you believe that because they are and because you know it? Or do you believe that because you've heard it? Okay, you, need, you need to know that. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 is a verse that probably most of us could quote. It's a very familiar verse, but I want to read it in your hearing. And let's read it now. Verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares who? The Lord. Plans to pr pr prosper you. Plans to prosper you. Everybody say prosper you. And not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and plans to give you future. This is the blueprint. God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Heavenly Father, bless this word today. Bless me, your messenger. May you fill my mouth and may I echo what you're already saying. And we thank you for it. And everyone says, amen. John 10, 10, the enemy comes to do three things. Steal, 
kill, destroy. What are they? Steal, kill, destroy. God comes in Jeremiah 29, 11, and he says, but I've come to give you a hope and to give you a future. I'm not going to steal from you. I'm not going to kill from you. I'm not going to destroy from you. Amen? So Genesis chapter 1 is really where, where I want to begin, and that's where all of this began. When we talk about the will of God, we have to start at the very first few pages of the Bible. We have to start in Genesis 1 because in this story, intertwined and interwoven into the story of creation, is the broad will of of God, and I want to read it to you in Genesis chapter 1. Media team, stay with me. We're going to hit three verses here. Uh, verse 26 is where we want to be. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 tells us about the creation of God and the discussion among the Godhead. And he says, Let's make man in our own image and according to our own likeness, and let them have dominion. Everybody shout out dominion. It's the word domini, which means a region over which a king rules. So dominion is a place where you're given rule. God said, notice the words, let them have dominion. God never intended for us to be used, abused, and misused. No, God intended for us to rule, including the earth. We are stewards of not only our lives, but we are stewards of the earth. God's will for the earth is to be fruitful and multiply. One of the misconceptions in the body of Christ is that when God said be fruitful, he told mankind to be fruitful and multiply. We always use that in the context of children, that God wanted to bless us with children. That is only one aspect of being fruitful and multiply. God wants you to be fruitful and multiply in every single area of your life, not just in childbearing, but in every part of your life, the will of God is for you to be fruitful and to multiply and to increase. That's every part of your life should be flourishing. Amen. Question, is your life fruitful? Is your life multiplying? This is a sign of the will of God. Watch what God blesses. Watch in your life what is fruitful. Watch what is multiplied. He goes on to say in Genesis 1, verse 26, the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and the cattle. Why these three? These three dimensions on earth are air, water, and ground. So he's saying, I want you to have dominion in the air. I want you to have dominion on the water. And I want you to have dominion on the ground. Manage it. Run it, reap from it, procreate it, harvest it. It's sustainable. It's built to last forever, forever. Forever. Everything God creates renews itself. Everything God creates renews itself. Scientists are confused because our bodies can actually renew themselves. Your liver can totally rebuild itself in six months. What scientists don't understand is why we are not living forever. And the answer to that is, is because in the Garden of Eden, sin came into the garden. And when sin came into the Garden of Eden, there was a curse that became on mankind, and it was called death. Okay? 
Originally, in our original state, our bodies were created to live forever. We were never supposed to die. That's why the body can actually replenish itself and renew itself because you were actually created to live forever. Your organs, everything about you was created to live forever. Sin came in, a curse came in, and death came in. Now Jesus came to redeem us from the curse. And on the cross, Jesus redeemed us from the curse. The last thing to be redeemed is our physical bodies. Now our spirits have been redeemed, but our bodies physically have not been redeemed. The last thing that will be redeemed is our body. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says that when Jesus comes back, that our bodies will be raised. Those that are dead in Christ will be raised from the dead. Our bodies will be reunited with our spirit, and so we shall live with the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. So our bodies will be redeemed one day, but scientists are baffled because they do not understand why our bodies are not living forever because everything our body needs to sustain itself is there. Which proves God's existence. Oh, they don't believe in God, I forgot. But creation and scientists are telling us that our bodies were created to live forever because they're renewable. When you live right and healthy, even our bodies respond to healthy living. Our bodies were created to respond to healthy living. It's the very fabric of our DNA of what God has put into us and the foundation. And it proves the existence of God. In the Bible, you have two things. You have conditional promises of God and you have unconditional promises of God. How many of you know salvation is an unconditional promise of God? But a conditional promise, promises are in the Bible. Now, we, we, don't, we don't like to think about conditional promises with God, but there are conditional promises with God where God says, if you do this, I will do this. A few moments ago in our offering segment of the service, that is a conditional promise. If you take care of my house, I will bless your house. That's called a conditional promise of God. So God says, when you do this, I will do this. It's renewable. Everybody say renewable. His mercies, the Bible says, are new every morning. Some of us almost used up all of our mercy yesterday. In fact, right before you went to bed yesterday, God said, I ought to slap them just real good. And this morning he woke up and said, aren't they cute? Because his mercy is new. How are you, aren't you proud God's mercy is new every morning? God said, come on, give God a hand clap of praise. God said, watch the word, have dominion, have domini, have dominion. Genesis 1 verse 27, let's put that up on the screens for your reading. Verse 27, God created man in his own image. Our God is a triune being God. Man is a triune spirit. He is spirit, soul, and body. Spirit is eternal. Soul is emotions, intellect, will. The body is the physical realm. And what's hard for us to understand in our human intellect is the separation between those three. We, we get them intertwined together, and we don't realize there's three parts to our being. We live in such a soulish, physical realm that we neglect our spirit realm. Okay? And so that's what, how we were created as a triune being. That's why people think the physical, in the physical, it didn't affect me. But let me ask you a question. Did it affect your spirit and your soul? 
Because what is running rampant in our country today is what is called mental illness. And, and it stems from sin. Now, I'm not saying if you struggle with mental illness that you're in sin. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying mental illness in its infancy is, is started with sin. And, and what happens is there are sins being committed that are now being passed on to our children and our children's children's children. And, it, and it's sins that have to do with the, with the spirit and the soul. And, and the attitude was, in the physical, this is not hurting me. This is only hurting my, myself. I'm not, this is what I'm trying to say. It's only hurting me. It's not hurting anybody else. And that's so wrong. Because what about your spirit and your soul? Okay, now I want to teach you a little bit. That's why, and the Bible proves this, that's why having sex with people out of the confines of holy matrimony affects you, and there's such a thing as soul ties. It's spirit and soul you're affecting, and now physically in our country with all the STDs, you're also affecting yourself physically. Today, it, 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 uh, we're seeing these effects that it's having not just on the inward man, but on the outward man. That's why Paul said in the Bible, and this is not talked about. People stay away from this stuff like it's the plague. But it's in your Bible, Christians. And the Paul said that sexual sins are different than any other type of sin. Why? It intertwines with your spirit. Amen. That's why we are so, um, oh Lord, what is the word? Uh, that is why we as a church, we, we love people, but we also address the problems in our world. And with the gender confusion, the problem with all of the things that are happening in our world sexually, as it relates sexually, is because it's intertwined with your soul and spirit. That's the danger of it. Okay? So we even unforgiveness. Oh, it just unforgiveness just affects me or an offense. It just affects me, affects me. No, it has eternal consequences and it grieves your spirit which messes with your soulish part of you and and your intellect and your will. So we are a triune being like God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You cannot lay them out and dissect them. And we have such a hard problem, you know, just a confusion a little bit there with those three. They're three in one. But verse 27 of Genesis chapter 1, let's put it up. It says, he created them male and female. Now we could unpack that a lot today, but this is the will of God. He created them male and female. That's why Romans chapter 1, when it talks about sexual sins and, and, and the confusion that we're seeing today, that you're actually sinning against God. It goes against the natural order of how God created. The will of God is for male and female. And I rebuke the spirit of confusion. I rebuke the spirit of confusion. Can I hear an amen? We rebuke that spirit. Verse 28, let's put it up. Then God blessed them. So I want you to watch the progression. Because this stood out to me as I read these passages of Scripture. I want you to watch the, the progression of God as He created us. He envisioned them with discussion. He envisioned us with discussion. He created us both male and female. And He blessed them and He spoke to them. God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. 
So in a general sense, but, but specific in a way, well, I want to know the will of God for me. Well, let's start with the will of God for the whole thing first. The will of God for the whole thing is that it is good, that it prospers, that it's blessed, that it's multiplied after its kind, that it's endurable, it's sustainable, it's renewable. Start with that and let's move from there and have dominion. Come on, church. we got folks hand clapping. We need everybody clapping. Come on. Come on. Clap your hands, church. Come on. Rejoice to God. God has given us dominion. Everybody shout it out. Dominion. So the church is the agency for the kingdom on earth. It's part of a greater, the greater kingdom of God. Do you know the only problem the earth has sustaining all of us in itself forever is sin? It is the only thing that is, is keeping this earth from lasting forever. It's sin in the world. It's the curse of sin. Sin, and, and we see this in our world today, it's the sin of greed. The sin of greed says, I don't care if I can make a billion dollars. I don't care if it destroys your waterways and causes cancer. It's money and greed and power. It's burn stuff, kill stuff, scrape stuff, rape stuff. Just take it all. We don't care about the future long term as long as we're making money. And to you know where with the next generation. Because I'm getting mine right now. That is a word called greed, and greed is a sin. It is a sin. The earth is supposed to be managed by moral people, clear-thinking people, godly people, big-picture-thinking kind of people. Amen. The first-century church knew that. The first-century church had a long plan. They had a long vision. We're going to be fruitful. We're going to multiply. We're going to tell everybody about a resurrected, our resurrected Savior, Jesus. And that is going to cause the earth to flourish and to multiply. And then sin came in. And, then, and, and we see sin that come into the church. And I could go on to a, a long dissertation about that. I love history. And I could take you through the history of the church. And it would probably blow your minds and bore you, bore you to death, more than likely. But somewhere in the late... 1800s and early 1900s there was this movement that 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 filled the church that the earth is filled with darkness and sin and everybody in the earth is awful and there's just a few of us left and we're the remnant and any minute he's going to come take us to heaven and the rest of it can go to hell that is a learned behavior and it become a doctrine inside the church but what happens with that doctrine and the danger of that doctrine is we forget we have a long plan. And think about this. Your time on earth is part of a long plan. We're not just here for us, but we're here for a greater kingdom, the kingdom of God. Can I hear an amen? We are His ambassadors in the earth. That's what we are. We're not just here for us, but we're here for generations to come. We're not leaving any minute, which is true. One day we will leave. But we're not just here with a leave any minute type mentality, although we preach that and teach the second coming of Jesus. But what I'm trying to get across to you today is we have to have a long plan. We have to have a long vision. We have to live with an expectation. We have to have an understanding individually and corporately that I live ready, but collectively, all of us, we have an assignment on earth which is the will of God. It is a long game mentality. To me, the, a great picture of this uh, is, is that of a small child 
A small child with his hands raised saying, Daddy, Daddy, pick me up. Get me up out of this mess. And God is saying, come on, give the Lord a hand. we got folks clapping. And God is saying, looking down, saying, look at all of these unfinished assignments. Yet I'm sitting here with my hands raised saying, Daddy, Daddy, get me out of this mess. And God is saying, no, fix the mess. Reconstruct the mess. Renew the mess. Sustain the mess. Come on, church. Come on, get us out of our mess. Fix it. Improve it. Do something with it. Build something long-term that will sustain itself. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Amen. 350 million Christians is reported to be in the United States. I disagree with that number. But that's the number they're giving us. If 300, this is why I disagree with that statement. If there's 350 million Christians on planet Earth, why are things the way they are? That's just the U.S. If that number is true, why is our country in the condition that it's in? It's in the condition because Christians are saying, get me out of here, instead of saying there's a long plan and I'm going to change the earth. And we're going to do something about a word called sin and greed and behavior. Amen. Hallelujah. We stand up. We stand up in our faith. And then God puts His super on our natural. And when He does, things begin to change. When He puts His super on our natural, it takes on a life of its own and things start happening in planet Earth. Come on. God looks through time and He looks to see if there's anyone who is willing to understand what I'm trying to say and let me use them as a spokesperson, as an example, as an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, which, which is what we're trying to do, is we're trying to be mouthpieces, ambassadors. The Bible says we're pilgrims in this land. We're just journeying through this land. But while we're here, we're going to make a difference, church. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, lift your hands in the sanctuary. Psalm 134.2, I will lift my hands in the sanctuary. Come on, I will praise Him right now. Father, I thank You for what You're doing in this room. I praise You for the anointing that's in this room and on this message. God, we give You praise and glory right now. And everybody said amen. So we've established God's general will is for us to prosper, for us to have dominion, for us to flourish. This is the broad will of God. Write this down. Anything not growing is dying. Anything not growing is dying. Now I want to narrow it down to you. And let's end this message here talking about you. Today I want to give you four specific things that I want you to consider in knowing God's will for your life. Four specific things that I want you to consider in knowing God's will for your life. Now I'm not God and I can't tell you what God's will is for your life. Only God can tell you what His will is for your life. But as your pastor, I can equip you and give you things that will help you find the will of God for your life. And that's what I want to do today. I want to help you have some steps that will help you find the will of God for your life. And this is what we're building on the foundation that we laid last weekend. So number one, if you're taking notes, and I trust that you are. Number one, if you want to find God's will for your life, you have to put God first. God has to be first. 
What you will notice is when you start putting God first in your life, then His will starts being revealed to you daily. And He starts opening up a world to you when God is truly first. Not a close second, not third, not fourth. When God is first place in your life. And, and, and what that means is He's the first of everything. You're going to see this word first all through the Bible. The first, first of everything. First of your time. When you give, wake up every morning, you're going to spend about eight hours every day working. Can you not spend your first eight minutes with God? You say, well, pastor, I'll, I'll give God an hour. Well, I'd be happy with eight minutes right now. Because it will set the tone for the rest of your day. When you come to church on Sunday in America, we worship on Sunday. Sunday is the first day of the week. It's not Sunday from 9 to 12. It's Sunday all day. It's God, I give you the first hours of the week, and I give you the entire day of the week. This day is set aside for you. Not for Usher's halftime show. Not for the... It just left me. Taylor Swift and whatever his name is. Soap opera, and then, oh, by the way, while we were watching the soap opera, we had a football game. No, he said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It's not NFL day, it's God's day. We don't go to palaces and coliseums to worship a game. We go to the church house, and as we lift up God in His house... He takes care of our house. Amen. So I give God the first of everything I do. He's first place. He's first place. Even when it's raining outside, He's first place. I get up and I give my time to God. Amen. So it's first. So, well, I don't know the will of God for my life. Are you putting Him first? It's the first of my finances. I don't pay energy, my rent, center point, all of my, my bills first. I come to the house of God and I give God first. First of everything. First of everything. He is first. Amen. This is how I find the God's will for my life. Well, I don't know what God's will is for my life and I'm so confused. Put God first and you will crank an engine in your life that will lead you to the will of God for your life. Amen. Number two, if you want to find God's will for your life, it has everything to do with your environment and your associations. Your environment and associations. Pop culture teaches us that we have a soulmate somewhere on the planet. And it's romantic and it's even become a spiritual thing to some people. The problem is... We've taken it so far that I'm 20 years into my marriage and I don't think you're my soulmate and I missed it, so I'm going to divorce you and go find my soulmate. The will of God, write this down, the will of God is really broad. It's not narrow. It's not so narrow narrow that there's only one person that can or can't make that happen. Now, I'm going to say something here and I'm going to try not to go down a rabbit trail because I could tell you a story, but I'm not. I want you to know that if we will not accomplish God's will, 
He will reach over an Aaron and he will grab a Joshua. What are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to say, if you won't do it, God will replace you. Because God's will is going to happen with you or without you. And you are replaceable. I could tell you a story right here, but I'm going to refrain and tell you another time. But I'm going to tell you that God will find somebody to accomplish His will. We think we're so different, and we're really not. God's will for you can really be broad, but the funnel that leads you to God's will is a word called obedience. Obedience is the funnel. It's broad at the top, but narrow at the end. So at the top, it's really broad, but as that thing shrinks down is when you start finding, and that's where, where you find this is obedience. Everybody say obedience. Don't make it so narrative that it has to be this way or nothing. I think people are so small-minded that they miss God because they think it has to be a certain way. I talked to a man this week, and I'm afraid, for lack of better words, he's going to miss the will of God for his life. And the reason I think he's going to miss the will of God, I'm not, if God told him something, that's one thing. But we're not talking about God telling him something. We're talking about a broad sense. This young man is so focused on a certain way that I'm afraid he's going to miss the will of God. Because in his mind, it has to be this way. And if it's not this way, then it's not God's will. And, and we're not talking about something specific God told him. We're talking about a very broad sense of the word. And I'm afraid he's going to miss what God has for him. I think back to my days that when uh, early years of ministry. And, and I could have planted my feet and I could have said, our church is going to be Good Samaritan. That's the name. It'll be Good Samaritan forever. This was my dad's vision. This was what my dad named the church. I could have planted my feet and said, this is it. I could have been so narrow, narrow in my thinking. And if I would have been narrow in my thinking that this is the only thing God can do, and it has to be this way, we would not be enjoying what we're enjoying today. We would not be seeing the lives change today if I would have been so narrow in my thinking to think it has to be like this. No, I open myself up to the possibilities of what my big, big, big God can do. And my big, big God is very broad. And He can do a lot of big things. Amen. Amen. So, we could have been on the side of the highway in an obscure place, and we would have been like a lot of churches going, one day God's going to move. No, God gave us an opportunity to move, and had we not moved, he would have passed us by, and he'd have found another church and another pastor that said, God, I will obey you, and I will do what you called me to do. Amen. I'm not going to be so narrow thinking that i got to have it this way. We would have still been on the side of the highways telling everybody, one of these days God's going to move. One of these days God's going to grow our church. Why? Because we would have been narrow thinking you got to open yourself up to a big, big God. Amen, church. Mm. Environment is important. You can't be narrow. narrow. That's why coming to church is so important. Environment is important. 
all the people who come through our doors wanting help. This is something that we're seeing more and more and more of by the day and by the week. People ringing our doorbell on that west entrance and they're wanting help. And here's what I tell them every time that I can. I tell them service starts at 1030. That's where helping you starts. Okay, Wednesday nights, our groups start at 6.30. This is where everything begins for you, okay? Because you think you need money, but what you need is the right environment. Amen? Because when you get in the right environment, you're going to find God's will for your life. And when you find God's will for your life, you're going to find joy. You're going to find peace. You're going to find security. You're going to find purpose. You're going to find sustainability. You're going to find flourishing and multiplication for your life. Secondly, associations. Write this down. Every assignment is associated or kin to your alignments. Assignments are associated with alignments. Let me ask you a question. Who do you run with? Who do you learn from? If you want to know God's will, one of the first things you have to do is get around some people, some friends, some right environments. And if you're around wrong environments, then you're going to have to call some friends. You're going to have to call some relationships. Because your goal as a believer is to find the will of God for your life. And you can't do that hanging around status quo people. I'm fixing to be very unpopular. But I wasn't called to be popular. I'd be more worried if everybody liked me. Sometimes it's your own family and the environment that we were raised in that keep us stagnant. Now listen, always honor. We always honor. But honor and honoring and staying in stagnant environments are two different things. There are people stuck in bad church environments. Why? Because grandma went here and grandpa went here. And now I'm stuck in a church that's going absolutely nowhere. Listen to me, those people are never going to change. The reason they're not going to change is because they're stuck. Let 20 years pass and look back and you will thank God I didn't stay there. I want you to think about high school years. And if you're in the high school years and you're in this room or watching online, I want you to listen to Pastor for a moment. You get to be my age and you're 40 years into this thing and you look back on high school relationships and all of us older people in the room can testify to this. And I'm so thankful. Was it Garth Brooks that sang the song, Sometime I Thank God for Unanswered Prayers? Because when I was in high school, there was relationships that I thought that I need this relationship. I didn't need that relationship. That relationship was going absolutely nowhere. And when you look back at your high school years or you look back at the people who used to be in your life, you thank God I didn't stay there because you see broken homes you see five kids that, that they don't even know. You see addictions, abuse, dysfunction. And if nothing else, they're just stagnant. They may be good people, but they're stuck in a rut. I thank God I did not stay there. 
Our father in faith is Abraham, and the first words Abraham ever heard from God was if you want to continue to hear this voice and follow this voice that you're hearing, leave your father's house, your homeland, and go to a place I will show you. Your faith's first requirement is, are you walking, are you willing, excuse me, to walk out of an environment with people that are negative to your destiny? I'm not talking about mistreating people or being ugly to people or acting self-righteous. I'm saying relation, this relationship is like dropping a boat anchor. I'm not going anywhere from here. There is so much codependency on people and things these days, substances and otherwise. you got to walk away from, th- from some things if you want to discover God's will for your life. Can I hear an amen? Number three, write this down. Number three, here's how you find God's will. You have to have passion and determination to figure out what God's will is for your life. Passion and determination. Everyone born on the earth, Christian or non-Christian, everyone on the planet asks these questions. Why am I here? Where did I come from? And what is my purpose? Contentment is knowing the answer to all three of these questions. When you find the answer, which can only be found in God, you will never find this in pop culture. You will never find this on TikTok or Instagram. You will find God's will when you seek Him with all of your heart. You will find Him. Amen. You have to find God's will. Here's number four. I'm having to hurry. Number four. Have the courage to do it. Colossians 3.23, Paul writes, Whatever you do, do it as heartily as unto the Lord. I love that verse. It's not like God has one little narrow-minded thing for me to do, and if I don't find it, I will live a miserable life. Remember, write this down. God's will is broad, but it's specific to you. Starts like a broad funnel at the top, but then it becomes narrow at the end. It really boils down to how has God created you and what has He created you to do. It's all intertwined in your personality. It's all intertwined in your life experiences. And that's where you find what God's will is for you. That's how you find it. Sometimes the best thing somebody can do for you is to tell you what you're not good at. And it sounds harsh but it's really beautiful if done in the right way. It's for someone to tell you what you're not called to do. Can I hear an amen? Well, I like to sing. Let me hear you. God bless you. Find another purpose. (laughs) Amen. Sometimes that's the best thing somebody can tell you. I think back in my life, um, God gifted me to sing. And in my early years, before most of you knew me, before I ever preached a sermon, I would sing. And God opened doors for me, and I could tell you, in that era of time, God opened doors with two Christian music artists, two men, that were popular in that era of time. He put these men in my path. I'll tell you one of them. His name is Dallas Holm. Do you all remember Dallas Holm? He sung the song Rise Again. Dallas Home became part of my life. In fact, I opened up for Dallas Home. And I would go around, and God opened doors for me to sing. And I would go to youth groups all over the, all over the place, and I would sing. 
first altar call I ever gave was in one of those meetings where I was singing to a youth group. I went to New Orleans. I went all these places. And I thought that God's will for my life was to sing. Now, let me say something. That's what I wanted God's will for my life to be. Okay? In the back of my mind, I knew what God's will for my life was. I didn't want to know what God's will for my life was. I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to be a pastor. That was the last thing on earth. I would have rather been anything but a pastor. In fact, it took me years when people would say pastor to me, my skin would crawl. Was, I was so unorthodox with that verbiage. I just didn't know how to handle it because I didn't want to be this. There was another man. I sang with him in Dallas, and he sit me down one night after a concert, and I had sung that night, and he sit me down, and he said some things to me in a loving way, and he said, Jason, you have an anointing to sing, but that's not your purpose. And I went home, my mom's not here, she's not feeling well this morning. But my mom will tell you, I cried all the way home. Because a man that I looked up to told me the thing I wanted to do was not what I was supposed to do. And it was years later that I started discovering what I was really called to do. And now at 48, I look back and I want to hug his neck and say, thank you for being honest with me. Thank you for telling me something hard in a loving way. It wasn't I couldn't sing. I could sing. I could do all those things. I could minister. But that wasn't what I was called to do. It was ministry in another way. Amen? I can't write songs, but I can write sermons. And I found the will of God for my life. So when people tell you things, godly, spiritual, adult spiritual people and they help you fathers and mothers in the lord they're helping you find your purpose and this is one of the ways that you do that can i hear an amen sometimes you find god's purpose or will for you by discovering what you're not called to do amen if you work at something you love you will never work another day in your life i have that privilege the other day, standing out there with the CADC volunteers from this church, I can't tell you what you did to me. I can't tell you what you did for my spirit that day, those few days. Because that's the kind of people I want to be around. That's the kind of people I want to pastor. It's people who have servant hearts. People that will do what it takes. Amen? And I want to tell you, I have that privilege and I love to be around people like that. If you can't make it through the struggle, did you really love to do it? Did you really love to do it? If you can't endure the hard times, do you really love to do it? What is your assignment? Bryce, if you would come to the keyboard. I feel a sweet, creative presence of God in this place. Come on, everybody, right now, just lean into His Spirit. We're fixing to close. Father, I thank You for a sweet, creative presence in this room. I feel You in this room. And I feel You awakening 
things inside of people. I feel your presence leading people to your will. And God, what we've laid out, what you laid out, are steps to finding the broad will and the narrow will. It's the broad will that leads to the narrow will. And God, the broad will is that we flourish and multiply. That God, we would pay attention to what multiplies. And we would pay attention to what doesn't multiply. We would pay attention to what is flourishing and we pay attention to what's not flourishing because these are signs. These are signs to finding the will of God for your life. What works, what doesn't work. When am I the most content? When am I the most happy? When am I the most fulfilled? It's when I'm doing this. And I'm not talking about fun. We all like fun. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about contentment in your soul and your spirit. I'm talking about peace that passes all understanding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I praise you. God, I worship you. I feel you in this room. I feel you in this room talking about being comfortable in your own skin. Who has God created you to be? Thank you, Father. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let me say this to you as you're listening to Pastor as I end the service. Your purpose can be multifaceted. What I mean by that is, is if you're married or you have children, if you're, if you're married and you have children, and then you're called to be a world changer and to produce world changers in your home. Your kids, the goal is a long-term vision, and the long-term goal is to produce world changers. You're a world changer, but you're producing and multiplying other world changers. So God, I'm gonna do my part to produce world changers. If you're married, you're looking at a long-term vision, a long-term goal, not short-term, long-term. God, what are you building here? What are you building in our marriage? What are you wanting to accomplish? What is the long game for our marriage? Lord, something you've taught me that I wanna teach others is that my job is not to make Alicia like me. I have me, I don't need another me. My job is not to make Alicia me. I don't know why I'm saying this. My job is not to make her like me. My job is to make her the best her she can be. So my job is to, coin, to come alongside her and to help her flourish in what God has called her to be and to help make that happen, the dream and the goals inside of her. Not in me, in her. And then it's reciprocal. She does the same for me. We come alongside of each other and we have a long plan together, but we have God's will and specific purpose for our own lives. 
And we're here to encourage and to enhance that. My job is not to discourage her. My job is to encourage her, to be her, and to be what God created her to be. Father, you're speaking in this room because I've went off course, and I'm not sure why, but I know you know why, and you're speaking to marriages right now, and you're speaking to moms and dads right now. I don't tell my kids, no, you can't have this because of a short-term plan. I tell them no because I want them to develop a long-term plan because somewhere in their life, somebody's going to tell them no, and they need to understand what no means. See, I'm not thinking narrow. I'm thinking broad. God, what are you doing in this room right now? I want you to stand to your feet. I'm telling you, God's doing something in this place. God, we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We give you adoration. Where does this journey begin? It begins with you knowing the will of God. Where everything begins is knowing God. And then as you know God, you find freedom. And as you find freedom, you discover your purpose. And as you discover your purpose, you make a difference. So today, everything about what I preach starts with knowing God. Do you know God as your Lord and Savior? That's where you find peace and contentment. That's where you find the will of God for your life. You first have to know Jesus and accept Him as the Lord and Savior of your life. And if you're in this room today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is where that journey of that funnel begins. That God wants to multiply you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to flourish you. I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Not to steal, kill, and destroy. Not for subtraction and, 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 and division but multiplication and addition. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're here today, Pastor, I'm not right with God, and I want to find God's will. This starts right here with knowing God. That's the first invitation today. If you don't know God as your Lord and Savior, would you be brave? Remember, we talked about it a moment ago. The passion to find God's will. It starts with knowing God. Do you have the passion to step out of your seat and meet a pastor right here? I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you be bold and courageous? Would you step forward? Would you step forward? Anybody in this room? Anybody in this room? I don't know God. I'm not right with God. If I died right now, I don't know that I would go to heaven. If you, that's you and you need to come find Jesus today, this altar is open. It's a place of separation so I can have revelation. I come and I separate myself and I say, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. Jesus, you change everything. Jesus, you change everything. Would there be anybody in this room? Would there be anybody online that's sounded my voice? I don't know God, Pastor, and I need to know God. I want everybody in this room to pray this prayer with me and online. If you're watching, stop what you're doing and pray this prayer right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. I repent of my sins. I recognize I'm a sinner. And I know I need a Savior. And today I confess you as my Lord and Savior. And I make you the Lord of my life right now in Jesus' name.
Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.